Well, greetings and welcome from Golden Beach Community Church. Thank you for tuning in this week as we begin this message series titled, Absolutely Worth It. This is a three-part series where we will look at God's investment in us through the New Covenant, which began with the crucifixion and resurrection that we celebrated last Sunday on Easter. Next week, we will look at our investment in God as demonstrated by how we respond to Him. And on the third part of the series, we'll look at the return on investment for everyone, those who respond to God, those who choose not to, and of course, the return on investment or what's in it for him from God's perspective. Now, I realize that this title in the series likely gives away the answer, but I look forward to discovering some more of God's great character as we walk through this using God's own words as our reference. I hope that you will be will tune in and, and walk away with some new insight that you find positive and encouraging. So let's begin. Before we can do much else, we need to understand what God invested, what God did, and what God does for you. To do so, we must look at the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is the promise that God makes with all humanity that He will forgive sin and restore deep relationship with those whose hearts are turned toward Him. Jesus Christ is the mediator of this new covenant, and his death on the cross is the basis of the promise. We look at Luke 22.20, where we read, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, some translations use the phrase, This is my blood given for you, which certainly brings to mind the act of the sacrifice which it was. Now, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection sealed the new covenant. And this is possible because it takes a perfect sacrifice to connect an imperfect being like you and like me with a perfect one like God. He has to send the, the blameless lamb, Scripture says, as the sacrifice to make the atonements for our sins. Now, the New Covenant was mentioned in several places of the Old Testament, and one such reference is made in Jeremiah 31, 31-34, where it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with our ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now, as you, I read this, you probably heard several times it says, declares the Lord. And I, I don't think it's just the writing style. I love that it used the word declares. You know, he's not just saying, he's not just speaking. He's declaring, which implies more of an impact, okay? Almost like a shout. He says, I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. And of course, once the new covenant was established, it is referenced even more prominently in the New Testament. Let's listen to a couple of verses from Hebrews. First one is Hebrews 8, 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs, as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, 
since the new covenant is established on better promises. And we're going to take a look at those promises here in a minute. And from Hebrews 9.15, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And lastly, Hebrews 13.20-21. And I love this. It sounds like a benediction. It says, Now may the peace of God who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now listen to the words the Apostle Paul found in 2 Corinthians 3.6. He says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This, my friends, is the new covenant. The promise made by God and sealed with your Savior's blood. He will forgive your sin and He will maintain a deep, loving relationship with you. That is God's promise, God's unbreakable promise. And as we look at this new covenant from God's side, we want to know what God actually does as a part of his promise to you. We want to know why he does it, especially in light of what we may deserve. And lastly, we should think about what all of this reveals about God's character. After all, we want to know the one with whom we have this agreement. So let's start with 1 John 4, 7-9. through He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now listen to this. He says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. So what does God do? He loves us. He loves you. Enough to send his Son as, a, as the perfect sacrifice to save you. In Psalm 1830, the psalmist writes, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And again from Paul, 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So what does God do with this promise? He provides protection and a rescue from your temptations. Matthew 6.26 Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now this is very similar to the scripture that, that Cherry read this morning as our scripture member. And what does it say about what God does for you? Well, it says He values you. He values you, and he meets your needs. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So in regards to this promise, what, what does God do for you? He goes with you wherever you are, wherever you go. 
Micah seven eighteen through 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but to delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So friends, what does God do for you? He shows compassion. He shows mercy and he forgives completely. Completely. How different would the world be if we not only forgave one another, but we mastered forgiveness as God models it and we forgive and forget completely. No remnants of regret or, or hints of resentment. Just a new blameless relationship because we have learned to forgive completely as your Father has forgiven you. Listen to this from Ephesians 1, 4-5. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Now, this Greek word for adoption to sonship is a legal term, and it refers to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in the Roman culture, and that is a big deal. Again, this Greek word for adoption of sonship, it's a legal term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male as the male heir. That's a big, big deal. But scripture says he predestined us for adoption, this kind of adoption to sonship, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So what does God do for you? Well, he didn't just decide to take care of you and, and he didn't just decide to keep an eye on you. He promised to fully adopt you as his child, his legal heir. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So what does the scripture about reveal about what God does for you? Well, he created you. He placed his spirit within you and he bought you at a price. And that price was his son's life. And these are just some of the scriptures that speak to a few of the things that God does for you as a part of this new covenant. So I want to challenge you to open your Bible and find others. You will be amazed at the long list of what God does for you, his child. Now I can only speak for myself, but I'm fairly confident that you, like me, aren't perfect. I sin, I, I fall short of my own expectations, so I can only imagine how far I shall fall short of God's expectations for my life. My words, my thoughts, my actions, they don't always line up with what I know they should be as a son of God. I literally thank God daily for his compassion and mercy and his promises as found in the world. And it tells me that he loves me. And it tells me that he loves you. His promise, this new covenant, his son, Jesus' sacrifice, pays it in full. So I want to look at what Scripture says about why he made this promise. Why was he willing to sacrifice his only son for me, a sinner, for you, a sinner? Well, letter to 1 Timothy 2, 3-4 says this. It, goes, it starts, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And this is echoed in 2 Peter 3 9. It says, The Lord is slow, or sorry, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. 
He's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, God makes his promise to you because he does not want to lose you. He wants you to repent. He wants a closer relationship with you, and he wants to have an eternal life with you. Now, it wouldn't be a Tyler Bennett sermon if I didn't quote the Apostle Paul a dozen times, and if I also didn't include John 3.16. So here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God makes his promise to you because he loves you. Period. Enough said. For God so loved the world. Here's another one that we read often. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now you may hear this one often, but you hear God's motivation for his promise to you. He has plans for you. Not just plans, he has good plans. Plans that will give you a hope and a future. The same eternal future with him that was spoken of in John 3:16. And then here comes another scripture from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 2.10. He writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So why does God make this promise to you? Why did he make this covenant? Because he created you. You are his handiwork, his blessed achievement that he is so proud of, that he loves so much. You are his treasured possession, scripture says. Friends, are you with me? If knowing that God's abiding love for you is his motivation for all of the ways he shows his love, and if that's not enough, and, and you can't live with an answer like, because he said so, he loves you, period, then again, I want to challenge you to open your Bible and find more of the facets of his promise. You will be amazed, I promise you, you will be amazed at the long list of why God keeps his covenant promise with you, his child, now, this past Wednesday evening during our online Bible study, we did an exercise in reading scripture, and, and we asked some questions to help us understand what we were reading. You know, these were questions that helped us with the interpretation of the passage. And then we did some questions to help us understand how to apply what we were reading, because we're not supposed to be readers of the word, we're supposed to be readers and doers of the word. And one of the questions specifically asked, what does this passage from the Bible reveal about God's character? And we had a fantastic conversation about that. And, and friends, I want to invite you to be a part of that every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central. And if you don't have the information already, if I didn't happen to email it to you or you misplaced that, shoot me a message, okay? Shoot me a message, and uh, I'd be happy to connect you with that. And you can listen in. You can participate as much or as little as you want. Um, just want to, to, to fill that online presence with as many people as we can because it's through participation that, that we share and we grow. But getting back to this, the, the question was, what does this passage from the Bible reveal about God's character? And I think that's a fair question, especially since we are in an eternal new covenant with God. What does this promise reveal about the character of God the Father, this this man that, that we are committed to for life. So let's start by taking another look at some of the verses we read a minute ago. 
2 Peter 3 9. Remember, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, what character is revealed in God? Well, to me, it reveals he's patient. He's patient. It also reveals that he does not want anyone to perish. He is expectant. He is hopeful that, that we will turn towards him. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10.13. This is the one about temptation, not overtaking. God is faithful and will not tempt you beyond what you bear. And says, what does this one reveal about God's character? Well, literally it says he is faithful. But it also shows he's protective. And he is hopeful that you will make the right choices. He will give you opportunities. He will give you alternatives. And he is hopeful that you will make the right ones. John 3.16. What does that reveal about God's character? Well, it reveals he is loving. I mean, he is generous. And he is committed. And back to Joshua 1.8.9 where it says... Be strong and courageous. I will go with you wherever you go. What this reveals about God's character is that he is encouraging. You know, he says, Why, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He's encouraging. He's supportive. He says, Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And he is reliable. He says, he'll, He will be with you wherever you go. And I love this. He is present. He is here. Micah 7, 18, 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnants of his inheritance? Remember it says he, he doesn't stay angry. He delights in showing mercy. He loves to do that. And he will again have compassion on us. And it says he will tread our sins under his foot. He will stomp them out and hurl them into the depths of the sea. What does this reveal about God's character? Well, it reveals he is forgiving. He is merciful. He is compassionate. In the book of Psalm, the writer uses words like these. He's perfect, flawless, righteous, just, gracious, compassionate. And these are just a few. And here's some real encouragement in uncertain times like those we're experiencing now from James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. And here's where it gets good, my friends. Who does not change like the shifting shadows. You see, God is steadfast. He is unchanging. He is committed and He is in it for an eternity. Friends, can you hear it? You are a part of the greatest, best, and most enduring deal ever made. God bet the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, that you are worthy of His love and blessing. Furthermore, you are worthy to be called His Son. You are worthy to be called His daughter, His child. And He is as excited about spending an eternity in heaven with you as you are excited about spending an eternity in heaven with Him. That is God's promise. I hope you'll join us next week when we talk about our response, our part of this promise, as we look at absolutely worth it. Because that, my friends, is what we're finding. That God's investment in us through this new covenant is absolutely worth it. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you 
We thank you for the old covenant. The promise that you gave the Israelites and, and their descendants, which we are part of, that said, I promise to, to give you a way out, to, to give you this promised land. But I'm going to give you some rules to follow, some law. And God, we thank you for that. It established the core beliefs we have of right and wrong. Not only to, to value life and not to kill, to honor our parents and not be disrespectful, to, to honor our marriages, not to break those vows, but also the, the, the laws, the, the rules, the, the commandments to love one another. And God, you sent your Son to teach us, and again, not to abolish the old law, not to say these don't matter anymore, but to say, these matter, but I know you're gonna you're gonna mess up. And if you repent, if we if we stop the wrong, if we turn away from our ways and turn our hearts toward you, then you fulfill this new covenant that says you will show love and compassion and mercy, and better yet, you will forgive these sins. And to seal that deal. Your son's blood was spilled on that cross. Lord, we thank you again for your part in this new covenant. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for our sins, all these sins that, that drove him to the cross. But we are thankful that they were hung on that cross and remained there while his body was taken down and buried and rose again, which just showed that you can overcome death and the world and all of these sins. God, I pray especially now for all those that are on the front lines serving and protecting and healing all of your children here in this world as we're dealing with this pandemic. I also ask for your health and safety and healing for all of those who have special needs right now, Lord whether it's an injury or an illness, something related to this virus or, or something that completely unrelated. But Lord, above all else right now, I ask for your protection from this, from this sense of fear and anxiety that is so prevalent right now. What happens next? Will there be a, a, a normal return? Will it be a new normal and what will that look like? God, you are in control and we are not the first generation to face epidemics and pandemics and, and wars that make us wonder how can we possibly get through this. But you got us through it then and you'll get us through it now. And we're going to stand on that promise as well. Lord, I give this message to you. I hope all that hear it are blessed in some way. And I hope they accept my challenge to seek out your word and your guidance even deeper. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to worship you today. And I give our lives to you. Amen.